Welcome to the Biz Times MKE podcast and our weekly debrief. I'm Arthur Thomas, an associate editor here at Biz Times Media, and I'm joined on this week's episode by Biz Times editor Andrew Wyland. Andrew, how's it going? Good, good. And I'm also joined by my fellow associate editor, Lauren Anderson, who has had one busy week covering the news. Uh, Lauren, you hanging in there? I'm here. I'm hanging in and ready to talk about the news. Excellent. Good, because you wrote a lot of it this week, and so we've got lots to talk about. Uh, We'll get to all of Lauren's coverage in a second. Uh, She's been keeping busy. But before we do that, let's do our Insider Story Spotlight, uh, a chance for us to highlight some of the stories that were available only to BizTimes Insiders. Uh, If you're not already an insider, please consider signing up. Go to biztimes.com, click on the subscribe button, equivalent of $8 a month, and you can get access to all of our stories, event discounts, and some other benefits. If you already are a subscriber, uh, we really appreciate that support. It helps make our work possible. So with that, let's dive in. uh, Insider Story Spotlight this week. Andrew, what do you got? So I chose a story this week about Octane Coffee. It's, It's a startup. It's one we've been following for a while. It's this very innovative idea of creating basically a, a, a tiny coffee shop with no employees. It's just a, a robotic setup. Um, you can order your coffee on an app and then show up and it's served up to you uh, via robot. And it's like a drive through experience. They announced that um, they're moving forward soon with uh, building and opening the first location, which will be in Pewaukee. Um, my hometown, by the way, if you don't know that, um, over near I-94 and Highway F near the Point Burger Bar. So if you know where that is, that's where this is going to be. So you need your morning cup of joe. This is going to be a unique way to get it. So it'll be interesting to see how this does. Yeah, and um, a reporter, Ashley Smart, um, she wrote about this point out on Twitter. You know, if you're not a morning person and you want to get your coffee without having to interact with anyone else. Uh, this will be your opportunity. And I said, you know, pre-COVID, even, even pre-COVID, there were, uh, you know, sometimes you just want to avoid people. So uh, yeah, this is a choice. So um, moving on to our next insider spotlight story. Uh, this is less about avoiding people. Lots of people going to the gym. Uh, it seems Lauren, what's your story? Yeah, I had an update from the YMCA of greater Waukesha County. Um, What is bad news for Peloton and companies that produce at-home fitness uh, equipment and the like uh, is good news for the YMCA because their membership and and visits are rebounding from the pandemic. Obviously, they took an initial hit when they had to actually close their doors during the beginning of the pandemic. And then, you know, people's hesitation about going back in person and and sweating around other people and all the things related to COVID um, kept people from returning, but uh, they're finally getting back up to pre-pandemic levels in terms of their membership and visits. Um, It was sort of interesting just to, to see the inverse relationship here of, you know, Peloton is reporting uh, decreased demand for their products and um, you know, part of their, part of their troubles are that they, they might've anticipated that this, you know, at uh, working out at home trend was going to last longer than it 
than it has. And uh, meanwhile, the why, you know, had to kind of just stick it out and, and trust that people would come back. And sure enough, that's beginning to happen. And people like, from what the why leaders say, people like the social interaction that is associated with working out in a, in a, in a gym. So, yeah, I've, uh, well, I've got a rowing machine in my basement that's collecting dust, but I haven't made it back to the gym either. So um, maybe I'll fall into one of those two camps here at some point. Um, my insider spotlight story this week is focused on Milwaukee Tool, uh, the Brookfield-based company that has been uh, among the fastest growing, definitely the fastest growing large company in the region in recent years. Uh, and their parent company, Tektronic Industries, which is based in Hong Kong, reported their annual results for 2021 this week that included at least a percentage uh, figure for the amount of growth that Milwaukee Tool saw. Uh, so 40, 41% increase in uh, revenue and sales for Milwaukee Tool this year, uh, which is just, I mean, year after year after year after year, it's these massive gains that they're making and it's through, they're adding new products and uh, converting uh, corded products to cordless, uh, expanding into new markets, things like that. It's not really through acquisition, uh, but it's just impressive growth um, one year after the next. And, you know, they make up about 60% of TTI's revenue and TTI's overall profitability keeps increasing. So it's not like this is necessarily, you know, growth at the expense of profitability. Um, it seems to be pretty robust. Uh, an interesting nugget that came out of that, well, two pieces, really. Um, we were told back in 2015, that was the first time Milwaukee Tool crossed $2 billion in sales. And so we've been kind of tracking over the years, doing the math on, okay, $2 billion times this percentage growth, and then this growth the next year and year after year. Um, so this year puts them probably around $8 billion in revenue. Um, which is pretty substantial when you consider they were a 500 or so million dollar company in the mid 2000s. The other interesting nugget is the parent company, TTI, has a goal of reaching 20 billion in revenue by 2024. Uh, so if Milwaukee Tool continues to be 60% of the company, that would put Milwaukee Tool around 12 billion in revenue in just a few years from now. It's another 4 billion in growth in what, two, three years. So they, don't, they have no plans of slowing down, it seems. So it's interesting to continue to follow them and see the impact that has on our region. We've talked about them before as they've opened offices in downtown Milwaukee and um, expanded to Chicago to attract talent, things like that. So we'll keep an eye on Milwaukee Tool going forward. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Um, they've clearly become one of the most important companies in the area because of their size and because of the incredible growth that they're, we're seeing from them. So they're adding employees and they're adding new locations and their impact on the region's economy has become very, very significant. And there, there just aren't very many big companies in Southeastern Wisconsin that are growing like this. So it, they remain one to really, really watch. Um, you've done a good job covering this because as you know, you're pointing out, they don't really disclose a lot of detailed information about their financials. We sort of got that revenue figure in 2015, and then we had to sort of estimate based on what they say their growth level is, what that revenue figure has been at. So um, 
when you when you when you talk about the numbers you're talking about them growing to you know you look at like the fortune 500 that would put them you know almost at like an american family insurance level um which is you know well pretty high up you know they're, they're like 200 something in the fortune 500 so you know that gives you an idea of how just really significant milwaukee tool is yeah milwaukee tools growth has really just been um incredible to watch so uh let's shift gears then to our big uh, i guess stories of the week um uh, three of them all written by lauren and all written by lauren i think basically in the last 24 hours or so lauren you were at uh, marquette's presidential annual address uh given by uh, mike lovell um they announced plans for a new um student uh kind of rec and wellness center uh, you were writing for a story today about the Greater Milwaukee Foundation going public with their $700 million um, campaign, fundraising campaign. And then you had a story today as well about Versity, which uh, previously um, was known as that's the Blood Center in Wisconsin. That's the entity that was that. Having plans for a multi-million dollar building uh, at the medical center campus and potentially adding at least 100 employees in the coming years. So um, like we said, busy 24 hours for Lauren. Uh, which one of these do you want to start with uh, diving into? I'll start with the the one that I filed most recently, and then we can move our way backwards <laughs> there. Um, yeah. So so Chris Miskell, the CEO of Versity, and I uh, spoke earlier today, actually, and um, he disclosed some plans for a new facility that they're planning to um, they're they're in the planning stages kind of early on um, for this new building that would be built adjacent to the current uh, blood research Institute um, on their Wauwatosa campus there on the Milwaukee regional medical center. So the idea here is that um, the, the blood research Institute is plans to add somewhere between 10 and 15 um, investigators, researchers, um, to their operation over the next few years. And the thing there is that each of these investigators, um, would bring with them somewhere as, as many as 10, um, additional, uh, researchers and, and, and staff members from their labs that would, would join them. And so, you know, you multiply that out, that's as many as 150 new employees that could be joining the Blood Research Institute over the next few years here. So, um, apparently the space is getting a little tight as is, and as they add more people, Versity um, uh, wants to add a new building to accommodate all of those new people. Um, so something, I think the notable thing there is that a lot of these people would be coming from out of state. So, um, you know, the nature of the work is that they Versity recruits from across the country. They get the top talent in blood, uh, you know, research. And so, um, so it wouldn't be... So it's out-of-state hires, which is which is significant. Um, and you know, Chris said that it, it also will help build Milwaukee's reputation for doing cutting-edge science. Um, is Versity, you know, one of the more prestigious blood research centers in the nation? I mean, wouldn't that be safe to say? Yeah, they're they're um, definitely among among the top. Uh, from what I hear, they're they're doing um, really significant research, and um, you know the findings that that originate in here in Milwaukee are are um, impacting patient care um, and research across the country. So, 
Um, they've also grown in terms of their um, diversity, has made a series of acquisitions over the past few years of blood centers uh, across the Midwest. So its um, presence has, has expanded and its brand has expanded over the past few years as well, which has raised the profile of, um, of the organization. It's great to see, you know, we talk a lot about the need to attract talent to Southeastern Wisconsin, and it's great to see, you know, a, a growing entity that is attracting talent, as you mentioned, from around the country. That's such a, that's such a nice gain for, for our region. Those are obviously really quality, high paying jobs to boot. And the regional medical center, just every entity over there has seen significant growth of, of their presence, whether it's freighter, medical college, children's, university. They've all grown and expanded over there. It, it is one colossal area of employment in uh, southeastern Wisconsin. Certainly. Well, continuing to work our way back through um, Lauren's busy last day or so, uh, the Greater Milwaukee Foundation went public with what is a $700 million um, fundraising campaign. Sounds like what, they're at uh, $500 million or so already. So That's a lot right. of these things, they'll they'll be in a quiet period for a long time, kind of piecing it together. And then at some point, they go public with kind of a, a final push to reach their target number. So we were talking before we started recording, Lauren. I mean, it's easy to kind of, I guess, almost gloss over. I mean, it's a big number, but it's at $700 million, that's kind of... At, and you get in the neighborhood of where it kind of gets abstract and you kind of lose sight of the impact that 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 kind of money can make. Um, what are they hoping to do with this and what kind of uh, impact can it have on the community? Yeah, the so the GMF leaders said that they're broadly focused on kind of five key areas. And those are um, the Thrive On collaboration, which is, um, you know, most visibly the redevelopment of the uh former Gimbel and Schuster's building in, um, in the Bronzeville district. Um, that's a partnership they have going with the Medical College of Wisconsin and Royal Capital Group. And that space is being transformed into, um, at a high level, it's, it's about addressing um, social determinants of health, all the things that aren't maybe your, your physical health that, uh, that do affect it. So, you know, it's, it's going to have education programming, it's going to have um, healthy eating uh, offerings, um, it's going to become the new headquarters for the Greater Milwaukee Foundation itself, it's going to have a um, housing um, so that's that's a big project that is uh, construction is now getting underway very soon on that. Um, so that's obviously a big priority for this campaign. Um, they're also investing in early childhood education. So that Thrive On building is going to have its own early childhood education center, which Greater Milwaukee Foundation leaders say is going to become what they hope to be a national model for um, early childhood education, but they're also investing in existing centers throughout the city, especially in areas that are underserved and, you know, investing in, in, in more educators in those settings and, um, and that sort of thing. Um, they're also going to, they're also investing in, in affordable housing. So they're part of the community development Alliance, which is sort of this association of funders and nonprofit, um, organizations that work in, uh, increasing access to affordable housing. And one of the big focuses right now for that group is creating this fund, um, that will allow, uh, more residents of Milwaukee to 
um, have the opportunity to purchase buildings for owner occupancy. And so that's something that Greater Milwaukee Foundation is funding. Um, and then also their, uh, another priority is their impact investing model, which is kind of at a high level is, is, is uh, investments that are made that create, uh, that encourage job creation, that um, help with um, economic mobility and um, those sorts of impacts on the community. The Sherman Phoenix is probably a, a good example of impact investing. They they provided a loan to that project, um, which went on to obviously create jobs and um, support uh, entrepreneurship. Um, and then lastly, uh, they've they want to um, dedicate twenty one million dollars for flexible funding, which is really just being able to respond to needs as they arise in the community, COVID-19 being, you know, a a good example of that, Um, just having those funds ready to be deployed um, as, as they're needed. Certainly it's going to be, you know, this, this is a story that's going to be worth following to learn more about who's providing the money and, and, and and to continue to follow how it's allocated, um, you know, how, how it really works out. Um, but but the grand the dollar figures here are just extraordinary to me. You know, seven hundred million. You know, having five hundred million already in hand. I mean, I can remember when Joe Zilber created the Zilber Neighborhood Initiative near the end of his life to improve Milwaukee neighborhoods, and it was fifty million dollars he was putting up. Fifty million dollars, and you know, it was just from him, of course. But that was an, an extraordinary amount of money. Um, so 700, which is obviously coming from a number of sources, but still it's uh, really amazing what, what kind of an impact that could have. I mean, you think, you think of like the Milwaukee art museum, um, Calatrava expansion, you know, that was a hundred million dollar project or so. So just think of what a $700 million fund could do with a lot of these different initiatives. It's, it's amazing that that amount of money is being raised. First of all, that's just incredibly difficult to do, especially in a community of our size. So that's just, that's awesome. And what this will do is going to be very exciting to see. And I asked Ellen Gilligan, the CEO of the foundation, you know, what her, her outlook was on being able to, you know, finish the campaign and raise that last $200 million. And they're definitely entering a part of the point of the campaign where I think perhaps they've, they've gotten some of those big gifts and now it's a matter of engaging more people around these really key priority areas. And anyway, I asked her about her outlook on, on, on completing the campaign. And she said, you know, even though there's a lot of civic projects to fund and there's a lot of campaigns already going on or that have recently, you know, finished, um, she's really optimistic that they're going to be tremendously successful, I think is what she said. And, you know, the foundation has the advantage of, really having uh, a, a pretty broad reach and, and having a lot of priority areas. So they kind of are that one, one-stop shop. If you're interested in, in, you know, giving to these causes, they can kind of direct those funds accordingly. So um, I think they'll probably enjoy a broad base of support. That's great. That's great. When it's interesting just to think of that campaign in contrast to our, our third story here, uh, Marquette and their, they're in the midst of their own $700 million campaign. Obviously, they draw from, you know, different pools of donors. You know, Marquette's got a, a nationwide alumni base to, to reach into. But, you know, Marquette's doing lots of stuff um, in town as well. And also, you know, remaking the look of their campus. 
um, most notably with what the project you wrote about uh, yesterday, Lauren. Um, what more can you tell us about this um, endeavor? Yeah, so Marquette continues its building boom, and um, Mike Lovell announced plans on Thursday for um, this new $80 million wellness and recreation development um, at the site of what's currently the Health Fair Tennis Stadium and Rec Center. They've The university's been talking for a few months here about wanting to kind of consolidate and um, you know, bring into one, one spot all wellness services that are currently scattered across the campus. So not just, um, you know, gyms and, and those types of um, facilities, but also counseling and um, even alcohol and drug um, addiction services and um, bringing wellness all into one place. And so that's what the, the idea is behind this development. They will be uh, developing over the next couple of years. It's going to be funded in part by philanthropic dollars um, and um, as well as some outside partnerships, they said, and um, some of their own capital. Um, and it's expected to open in 2024. It's been fun to see what's going on at Marquette. Uh, another example of really exciting things happening in the community. I mean, they, they had a master plan to really um, just transform that campus several years ago. And we did a cover story. I believe it was five years ago. We did a cover story about what they were doing. And we're getting to the point where much of that master plan, almost all of that master plan, is, is is coming to fruition, which is just uh, a tremendous thing to see the university doing. It's, it's such an important presence in, uh, in Milwaukee. Yeah, Lovell said 2024 is going to be a huge year for the university. It's There's actually three major building projects that will be opening, are expected to open that year. So in addition to this facility, um, they've got a library, Memorial Library renovation, which is going to be um, turn it into a student success uh, center, which that's, so that's being funded by uh, Marcus Limonis, who's a reality TV star. Is that an appropriate way of describing him? <laughs> and, uh, man. and a businessman. He's a businessman. Sounded <laughs> that's probably, world, right? You know, yeah. business, reality TV shows. Yeah. He's NBC. a Renaissance man, but he's also a Marquette alum and he's giving a lot of money to the student success center that they're creating um, at, at what's currently a library. And that's supposed to open in 2024. And then there's a new nursing school that's also um, expected to open that year. So yeah, the, the face of the campus is really, is really changing and they've just got, uh, it's not slowing down. Yeah. And then you wonder what'll be next after all that. And so, okay, now what? <laughs> but that's tremendous for them. I'm sure they've got uh, some plans. Uh, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll come out in due course. So, uh, well, that about covers, um, like we said, a busy week on the nonprofit and education beat for Lauren. So Lauren, thank you, uh, for all your coverage and for breaking all this down for us here on the biz times MKE podcast. Bravo Lauren. (laughs) Thanks. We'll talk to you guys next week. All right. This is Dan Meyer with BizTimes Media. You've been listening to the BizTimes MKE podcast. For more business news and insights, be sure to go to biztimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e-newsletters and our magazine, BizTimes Milwaukee.